0: Good morning, everyone. OK, you can hear me. Um, my name is Marvellous, um, and I'm here today with my family. My wife is here seated. Um, we've got two beautiful girls, Eliana and Marlene. Um, Marlene is sleeping here now, and Eliana is in the children's kids' service. I'm so excited this morning, and mostly because of what God is about to do and has already started. Um, So our topic for this morning is a bold statement and it's one that shocked me to the roots when I got it. You are already blessed with everything you need for life. Already. Praise God. So as I go ahead, I would say praise God. The response should be, Hallelujah or amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I still see some people are quiet. So this is 2019. And I know you've had a beautiful Christmas. I want you to look at the person next to you, see if they are smiling. And if they are not, make a face so that they smile. Yeah? Praise God. So, our topic today is, as I've said, and we'll be reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. So, I'll be reading, and it should come up on the screen. Greetings, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is a grace-dense passage in the Bible. And... It got me to say, everything you need, everything you need, already provided, what do you need for life? Is it the wisdom to raise your children or the wisdom to engage your grandchildren? Is it strength for when you are weak? Is it healing for when you are wounded? Is it the love of God or the love of other people for when you are lonely? What do you need for life? Is it courage as a student facing a daunting exam? And Peter here makes a claim that I would never make if it weren't that Peter put it forward. All things are to life and godliness. This is profound. And we'll just take the time to go through it, starting from verse 1. So right there in verse 1, Peter declares that he is a servant of Jesus Christ and he is an apostle. Right, establishing the fact that it's me, Peter, the one that his name was changed to Peter. So I was Simon, now I'm Peter. And I'm an apostle, I'm a servant of Christ. And he goes forth to say... He's writing to the church of Jesus Christ, which we are today, to the children of God, which we are today, and basically declaring that we have obtained a like, precious faith. Peter, in making this statement, pulls the children of God, pulls us to the same pedestal as the apostles, saying that we have the same faith. And so many times people say, oh, get more faith, get less faith. No, we have the same. Because when it's as small as a mustard seed, it's already enough, so how big can it get? We have the same precious faith. And then he goes ahead to say, and this faith we got for free. So, settling the issue of thinking, ah, I got it myself, I walked out, no. We got it through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, praise God. It is his faith. He paid for it in full and delivered it to us as a gift. So, we have this faith in God. But Peter, in making this statement, also refers back to something he learned from Jesus Christ. You know, when he sent out the apostles and they went, you know, into the city and into the villages and, you know, there was miracles, there was deliverance, and they came back and said, we saw Satan fall from heaven, we were able to do this miracle, and they were so excited, and Jesus said to them, hang on, that is great, but rejoice that, not over that, but that your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice that you have this precious faith. So that should give you confidence as a child of God in what you carry, in what you are called into. It's enough. Praise God. Then in verse 2, Peter kind of declares a blessing, a benediction upon the church, upon the readers of this message when he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. My understanding of grace has never been as something that can be multiplied. And here he's making us understand that it's not addition, right? It's not one plus one, two, two plus two, four, and it takes a long time to go, it's multiplication. That is how big grace can be in our life. That's how much peace is already available to us. And the grace here is the unmerited favor of God, I mean, the same that God declares in Titus 2, verse 11, when he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Massive grace. Big enough already. You need to grow into it. It doesn't need to be given more of. You need to grow into it. It's big enough already. Praise God. And then the peace that he's talking about here. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace. I give you, not as the world gives, but let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of God that passes all understanding as in Philippians 3 verse 10 is the kind of peace we are talking about here. The peace that when you go through trials and temptation and go through difficult times, unimaginable loss, you want to scream, you want to jump, but there is this peace and you are wondering, why am I so calm? The peace that passes all understanding and we've seen this once in a while in our life we've enjoyed it but Peter here is saying it can be more but how can it be more through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord right here for many years in my life I became a Christian gave my life to Christ was so passionate, preaching over everywhere talking to everybody about Christ and I got bored very quickly because I was like what more I did not realize that grace, I could grow into grace, it could be multiplied. I could grow into the peace of God, it could be multiplied. And so therefore, when I got bored, and for many years, I was looking at, so how can I get more? Right here, Peter gives us the key, knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. This is profound. If you've ever looked for a key, for a formula for 2019, for the how-to, it is knowledge. But then it goes into verse 3, which is coming up on the screen now, to kind of expand on what do we mean by this grace and peace and this knowledge. So in verse 3, Peter says, for his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. So let's get back to the charts. So the goal here is all things that pertain to life and godliness. That is the goal. Now, the life there is not just any kind of life. It's not the life of wandering around and waiting for when, at least one thing that everybody agree on when, when we die. No, it is abundant life. The life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, when he says that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. It is what I call a full cycle life. The life that is now and in the future. Both the life you live now and eternal life. And we've seen this coming through during the worship. Reinforcing actually what God was getting to say to us now. That he is giving us love. He is giving us a calling to draw us into more. So it is a beautiful life. It is a life now. Not just eternal life alone, but even now. So what do you need for life? And talking about godliness, which will, I mean, as we proceed, you will see a clear description, but godliness there is actually very simple. It is enjoying the nature of God and being free from the nature of Satan in a very simple way. Praise God. So, Now trying to understand what is this knowledge all about? What kind of knowledge then should we get? So in verse 2, Peter says that grace and peace can be, you can attain more grace and peace through knowledge. In verse 3, he says that the divine power of God would flow to us through knowledge. So knowledge is even made more key here. So knowledge is required for grace to multiply, for peace to multiply, for godliness, and for abundant life. Knowledge of what? It goes ahead to say it is the knowledge of his own glory, of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That is the knowledge. Because a lot of times people will say to you, and, and for me then, I got to the point where it was, okay, fine, you know, after feeling so dry for a long time, somebody said, okay, um, I'll help you. What you need to do is every morning, do your morning devotion, Read your Bible, read it throughout the year. And I turned it into a religion, and I followed it, and I felt nothing, and there was no multiplication of grace. Why? Because I did not understand that knowledge of Jesus Christ is what I should look for when I study the Bible, when I dive into it in the morning, when I meditate. It is the knowledge of Him. Getting an understanding of why you do what you do in Christ is key. And this knowledge of Him... It goes over in verse 4 and tries to even elaborate it more. But there's one important thing in verse 3 where he says that he has called us to the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So there is one that called us. And that person is called, is Jesus Christ. He's the one that called us. That should excite you. And just even if it doesn't, think about this. We all agree there is the sky up in there. There are trees, there are beautiful people around us. There is the world we live in and the beauty we see in it and the creativity of God. There is the universe there. All of that, the God that made all of that called you. And this is summarized quite nicely by a minister of God called John Piper, and I will read it out for you. When he says that, So when Peter says that the divine power of hope... And godliness flows through the knowledge of our call to glory. We can feel what he means. If we could but see the glory and excellence of God and know that our creator has approached us and said, you there, come. I am going to show you my glory and give you an eternal life to enjoy. It will mean power. The power of hope and the power of godliness. Praise God. Just knowing this truth will revolve, what's the English word? Would transform your life. This is where there is a difference between emotion and truth. You get to know the truth. You get to feel emotion. We are called to a life of truth, of knowing. And when you know you could step through times when the emotion is not right, when it's not feeling right, but you know what you know and you stand. That knowing, we are called by God, is intentional. The Bible says, before you were born, I knew you. He plans for us. And when the time was right, He approached you. He was chasing you all along. And He said, you, come. So that is the God that has called us. And in calling us into his glory and his excellence, he gives us a way to get this knowledge. So He says in verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you become partakers of the divine nature. Praise God. So the question is, okay, I need to have knowledge. Knowledge is important. What kind of knowledge? Knowledge about God, about Jesus. What is it I should know about Jesus and how? You should know about his glory, the excellence, the fact that he is the one that called you. And that should release power into your life. But most importantly, you should know how to know which is the promises that he has given us in the word. And ultimately, it boils down to the Bible, the word of God. This knowledge we are talking about is in the Bible. So when you decide to read your Bible this year, like I've tried many times and never finished, then know why you are reading it. It is important. It is the source. So when we know the promises that God has given us, it allows divine power, grace, and peace to flow into our lives. It enables us then to achieve this godliness and this life that God has for us. He says that these promises would give you the divine nature of God. So how do you get this divine nature? Because God promises me that, oh... You can be kind. He gives me a promise of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I have peace. I have kindness. So I can apply it because it's in me. And in doing that, I enjoy divine nature. I do divine things. In a place where peace shouldn't be, I step in with peace and I release my peace. In a place where kindness should not work, I declare and I release kindness. Even when emotionally I feel like there should be a fight and a war here right now, I choose to go with the knowing of his divine nature in me, and I release kindness, and I release peace, depending on what situation. This is the whole part about the fruits of the Spirit. So this nature we are talking about comes by the power of God. So in John three sixteen, the Bible says, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, so he saved us, rest, yeah. But he didn't stop there. He now invited us, come on, enjoy the divine nature with me. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And then this Holy Spirit in us pours out the fruits of the Spirit. You already have all these things. What are you doing with them? Praise God. So we are partakers of the divine nature. And the divine nature is godliness. So liberation from sin and likeness to God which is the divine nature which is godliness comes when we know the promises he has for us and we walk in them and in walking in those promises we enjoy abundant life so it's one of two things it's either we are enjoying divine nature or we are going through the loss that is in the world and he says the promises help us to have divine nature so that we escape the nature in the world Practically you go into work and the enemy dangles his carrot every day. It could be a temptation to lie, to steal, to be to hate someone. And aren't these temptations so tingling at times? And we just want to pour out that emotion on that matter. To be angry and you just want to have a word. And then the promise of God says, you have the fruits of the Spirit. Apply peace in this case. And as we apply the divine nature over every temptation, the same way when Satan said to Jesus, bow before me and I'll give you the word, and Jesus said, it is written. Or oh, do the, it is written. Always going back to the promises. The promises that enables him to overcome the lost in the world. That is what we are called into, to walk in this knowledge And by doing this, we can have grace and peace multiplied in our life. We can step into an abundant life and enjoy godliness in 2019. Praise God! So what does this mean practically then? So basically, I have a couple of applications we can think about. First of all is to summarize all we've said, which is the next slide. And is that God's divine power flows into our lives when we know and trust his precious and very great promises. And this power flowing through through these promises produces practice of godliness and abundance. I hope that kind of captures it. But then the question is, so how can I walk in this? How can this be real for me? For For this to be real to you, the first thing is that you need to know. Like I said, step out of the emotions and know know that you are already blessed. And if you know that you are already blessed, this knowledge will transform the way you live your Christian life. It will transform the way you pray. It will transform the way you approach things in 2019. And if you're here, and you know, some of this sounds strange to you because you've not come to Jesus Christ yet. I'm an African, and I can be quite straightforward. I get away with some weird times because I'm different. And people say, oh, you I say, oh, add it to my difference if it doesn't feel good. Give your life to Christ. <laughs> Come to him. What are you waiting for? There's no much time. Why are you playing with logic? Give your life to him. The Bible says, test and see that the Lord is good. Test and see. You could go through all the logic of argument. Just test. And then decide. Praise God. So know, as a Christian, you've come to Christ. Know what you have. Know what you carry. Think about this. If someone came to you and said, you know, there is this guy called Jesus Christ who would be born and he would die and save you from all your sin, but he's not yet died yet. He's going to die. Would you have come to faith? How did you get born again? Because you believe that Jesus Christ came literally to earth. 2,000 years ago or more, he already died. He already went to the cross. He's already finished everything that is required for our righteousness, our confidence in God. It is already done. And that is why you were able to have faith and believe and become a Christian, because it's already done. Then how come that changes after that? Every other thing is in the future. So you have this conversation where people say to you, oh, God is going to bless you, amen. That sounds great. It's religiously great. He's already blessed you. Oh, God is going to heal you. Don't worry. Amen. And we live in this life as Christians where everything is going to happen. None has happened. Everything is going to happen. So think about it for your heart and how you love God. If everything that God has called you to is going to happen, how can you truly love him? If he's so great, but he's done, he's done, he hasn't done much yet, that's why everything, God is going to do all these things. And we are going through all these struggles, but all those things will happen. Somewhere in your heart, it hardens you, and it creates doubt. It builds on you over time, and you become numb. Because the truth is that anything that you can live with, you will live with it. Any sickness you can manage, you will manage it. Any challenge that you can manage, you will manage because you think in your heart that God has not done much. But He has done everything. He has given us everything. And if you change your mindset to that, knowing that we already have everything, then your prayer will change. So I don't go to God saying, Oh God, I have this headache again. Please will you heal me? Would you set me free? So terrible, I feel so bad. No. I go to God and say, Father, I thank you that By the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. But I have this headache that is challenging my healing in you. So, God, you have a problem. (laughs) Tell me what to do. Give me the wisdom. Where in the Bible, where are the promises that I can use to fight this war? And God begins to say to you, Oh, stop smoking. Start doing exercise, like he said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stop being angry. Stop stressing yourself. Reduce your time from 12 hours to 8 hours. Wisdom comes for healing. Because you are standing. We are not coming from a place of defeat. We are coming from a place of victory. You are already victorious, and you are defending your victory. You are not defeated and trying to win a battle here. If you are defeated and trying to win a battle, then what did Jesus do? We come from a place of victory. Praise God. So switch on the light bulb. And I use Ben as an example, so I won't do that again. Let me use myself as an example here. So I'm an electrical engineer by study. And... To generate power, you have to first of all generate this power, maybe hydroelectricity, or thermal station, or using battery or wind turbine. You generate the power, but then you have a problem. You need to carry this power from point A to a place where it can be distributed. So you generate the power somewhere in Birmingham, I know there's one there in Rodgley or something. Then you you need to get the power to Nottingham. So you get high tension wires, knowledge, you bring the power to Nottingham. And now, you need to distribute it, then you wire up a house. So you wire up someone's house, and the house is fully wired. So God does this thing for me, he wires up my house. Then put a switch, put a bulb. So after the company, maybe Eon has finished doing this, then you get a call from me. Hey, I'm marvelous, and could you just put on my light, please? It's so dark here. I'm suffering so much. My children can't eat. Nothing is working. The light is not on. And they say, hello, my Switch on. Put on the switch. <laughs> and I'm like, how? Oh, no, I don't even know what the switch is. Oh, it's so bad that this light is not on. How can light be this way? Then I look for a fellow people that don't have light, and we form a group, and we start protesting. <laughs> give us light, give us light. The Bible says the grace of God has done all these things. The light, the grace of God, the fact that it is transmitted, generated, wired, and put there for the switch, is the grace of God. That's what the divine power of God did. His divine power has already. Now, faith is what I do to take advantage of what grace has already provided not what grace is going to provide. So I respond. I go to the promises. And there's a promise about to on a switch, press it. Oh, great. I meditate. I go. I press the switch. Boom. The light is on. You can do that for healing. You can do that for depression. You can do that for anything. You are in Christ. It might take a longer time for that knowledge to sink into you, to get you to take action start in 2019. Take this challenge. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The other one is that we need to change our mind. Like the Bible says, you can't put new wine in old sack or old wine jar. We need to change our mind. And to change our mind, I have a slide here which shows that Our thinking drives our results. And basically, just to give you an example here, I spent a lot of time growing up in a big family. And I would normally try and correct my younger brothers. And sometimes I was quite mean and direct. You stop this behavior. And every time they did something that was wrong, I was on top of it. Because somewhere in my head I had this vision of this wonderful family where everybody did the right thing. So I felt if I can change their behaviors, we do all right. And I struggled. And all I got was more bad behavior, bad relationship, nobody wanting to ask me questions, and seeing me as mean. And I was like, I'm trying to do something good until God helped me to understand that, hey, stop trying to change behaviors. Go to the root. Change their thinking. Change their thinking. If a man changed the way he thinks, he would change his behavior. That's why the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it also says, I mean, I have some good verses to help us get this clearly. So that's Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Luke 6 verse 45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, a lot of people use this to train people around the world, but they stole it from the Bible. So, our thinking drives our behavior. And this morning, God, the songs we sing, the prophecies we get, the words coming through worship, are all trying to change the way we think to inspire us with a new revelation. And if we just go back to the the slide there, so if you get this revelation knowledge we are talking about today, it should give you new insights, which as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is already giving you concerning different things in your life. And now you should start thinking differently about healing and think differently about all the challenges and the things you face in your life and the way you read the Bible. And as you start thinking differently, you will start behaving differently. And one of the new behaviors is the way you pray, and what you pray for, and how you pray, and where you stand and pray, not from a place of defeat, but from a place of victory. So change your mind. But most importantly, dig into the promises of God. You know, Know what these promises are, because when we know these promises, it enables us to know what to fight for. When I know what victory I already have, then I can defend it. If I decide to fast, I'm not fasting because it's religious. I'm fasting sometimes to say, oh God, I have this challenge. I need knowledge to know what to do. So I'm fasting for wisdom. And when the wisdom comes, it's action time. So another thing we should do is that we should continue to grow in faith. So Peter said we have a like precious faith, we are called into this faith, yes, but now we should grow in this faith, continue to grow in faith. And he says that very clearly, and I'll be reading it from first, from the same Second Peter 1 verse 5 to 8, which is kind of a continuation um, of this. So Peter went ahead to say, it. I think that should come up on the screen. So, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And then, on top of knowledge, supplement, add knowledge, and on top of knowledge, add self control, and self control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of, again, just gives you even more flavor on some of the things in terms of the fruits of the Spirit. Because the moment I saw that, oh God, how will I get that? And he reminds me that you already have them. It's basically the fruits of the Spirit that God is saying, demonstrate them. And in doing that, you're not doing that because that's what is going to get you saved or get you heaven. You prove to yourself that you carry this divine nature. You make yourself feel amazing. You know how people go to the gym to feel good? This is spiritual gym. Start exercising them. Start trying them out. And get stronger and stronger in them in 2019. Praise God. I'll just call up the band. Um and we'll sing a song together to reflect on this truth, then we are going to pray a prayer together that Paul prayed over the church. Which kind of summarizes and reflects on these truths that God is giving us for 2019?